Come on, get your bounce back. It's episode 32 of For Our Edification. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of For Our Edification. I'm Eddie Francis, and this podcast, it is personal leadership goodness, I tell you. Mm-mm. You can get past episodes of For Our Edification by going to eddiefrancis.com. Also, there are some past episodes on YouTube. And you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. That's what they say. Um, Obstacles suck, right? But obstacles are a part of life. What gets us about obstacles? I mean, what makes them so disgusting and hard to get past at times? And what gets us past these obstacles? Well, PJ Dixon is someone who has lived with obstacles in many more ways than one. And it's not just his own, but he helps other people with their obstacles. So we're going to find out from him what it takes to get past obstacles. The views and opinions expressed on For Our Edification do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of the hosts, guests, or any entities with which we are affiliated. PJ Dixon, he's an international speaker, resiliency expert, teaching people to embrace and live the resilient way. And he's a former wheelchair athlete, which I didn't know this about you. International traveler, founder of two nonprofit organizations and four disabled sports programs, a published author, watercolorist, acrylics painter, uh, 10th degree black belt. I definitely did not know that about you. Uh, martial arts. for you. Golly, man. And and women's self-defense instructor and a meditation teacher. Now, the meditation teacher part, I can definitely see. Um, mm-hmm. PJ has been inducted into the National Hall of Fame for People with Disabilities, awarded the Distinguished Gold Dragon Medal from the International, I'm going to, uh, Bujinkan. Is it Bujinkan? Oh, yeah, close. Bujinkan. That's right. Yeah. Bujinkan Dojo. Um, recognized with extremely uh, recognized with the extremely rare communication and leadership award from Toastmasters International, and uh, nominated to carry the Olympic torch through Tucson in two thousand two. PJ, welcome to for our edification. How are you, my friend? I am thrilled to be here. I'm great, actually, and I'm really glad that I get to call you friend and brother because yeah. my life is so much richer because of you. Stop it, man. Your check is in the mail. Same here, though, PJ. Same here, man. It's good to reconnect with you. And so I got to tell you this thing. Um, So PJ, I got a chance to meet PJ a long time ago. We were doing this thing with Monster, um, and it was the the diversity leadership program. That's where we met. And I want to say it was the one at Cal Berkeley. I think that was the one where we met, if I'm not mistaken. When we first met, I don't remember which one. I think it was that one. I think I think mm-hmm. we were doing the one at Cal Berkeley and um, and and PJ had more energy than anybody just about um, cut it up on the stage, by the way, mm-hmm. cut it up big time on the stage, man. So, listen, I, I really want to talk to you because one of the things that I really and you know what? I have to thank you for this, because one of the things that I've been trying to figure out, I've been trying to figure out. What is the message that I feel most passionate about? Um, PJ and I had a conversation a few weeks ago, and I'm going, yeah, I want to, I'm going to do some more stuff with personal branding. And PJ was like, well, what about leadership? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's cool, but personal branding. But get this, PJ. So here's where we are right now. This is where we have landed on the Eddie mothership. Um, <laughs> personal leadership, man. Personal leadership. And so that's what I really, really want to talk about. 
And when it comes to overcoming obstacles, I mean, I, you know, the first thing I, I, I want to know from you is how did you even get to this point where you wanted to talk about resilience and, and, and overcoming obstacles? What got you there? Yeah. So when I think about what got me to the place of wanting to help people overcome their obstacles, it's very simple. My whole entire life, I've wanted people to be happy. And any time that people have come to me to ask me questions about like how they overcome a particular problem or deal with the situation or how do I do it when they're feeling particularly weak, anytime we get somebody to the point where they're like, oh, you know what? Thank you. I do feel better. I don't feel like I'm carrying that weight anymore. Instantly, I feel better. I remember when I was nine or 10 years old. And I remember, and I wasn't raised in the church, the synagogue, the mosque, the temple, none of that. And I climbed up on my bed at nine or 10 years old. And I had just heard about, um, I had just really sort of experienced um, suffering, not like for myself, but just realized like the outside world, sometimes people suffer. And I was mm -hmm. heartbroken. And yeah. I don't know why I didn't realize that before. I didn't understand it before. And I was heartbroken. And I remember climbing up on my bed and thinking, and not even thinking, but praying, God, whatever, you know, it takes, give me their pain, give me their suffering so that hmm. they don't have to carry it. You know, and I remember being in tears and my mom wasn't there. My dad wasn't there. You know, it wasn't, I wasn't at home alone, but nobody was in the room with me. I wasn't really taught necessarily to pray. Uh, it was just something that I did hmm. kind of independently on my own. Of course, there was the nightly prayers, you know, when we were kids back in the day. Um, but um I just climbed up on my bed and I just, I said, God, give me all their pain. Give me all their suffering. I'll carry it. And what I meant was everybody in the world, anybody out there, I just didn't want them to carry the pain and the suffering because I recognized when people struggled, when they experienced pain or suffering or any kind of struggle or any kind of resistance, they often quit and they were sad. They were unhappy. That mm. broke my heart because I was so compassionate. I really wanted to see people live the life that they wanted to live. I wanted to see people be excited and happy about being alive. I was excited and happy about being alive. I wanted that for everybody else. And so uh, you asked that question and I gave you an answer, but then I remember that story of me being nine or 10. And I wanted mm -hmm. to make sure I came back to that, like that authentic piece. I've always been the one people have come to. I've mm -hmm. been speaking since I was seven years old and I've mm -hmm. always been the one person that everybody came to and said, Hey, I've, I've got a problem. So I think for me, it's that feeling of knowing that I, in it, my, my disabled body, not able to, you know, help carry things and, you know, uh, do very much physical stuff for people. I could carry people's heart. And that was important to me. Okay. So somebody gives you their pain and suffering. What do you do with it though? I would carry it so they didn't have to. I mean, but does that, you know, doesn't that, does that drag you down, though? Well, I'm saying that when I was a kid, I, I said, God, give it to me so I can, I can carry it. Yeah. So no one else has to. Mm -hmm. Would it have? Sure. Of course, it would have crushed me. I would have been crushed under the weight of people's sadness and suffering and struggle globally. And I wasn't talking about one person. I was mm -hmm. talking about the world, Eddie, like everybody. Yeah. Give me everyone's struggle and suffering. But nowadays, it's not that I don't carry other people's pain and suffering now. Right now, it's mm -hmm. more like, hey, how can I help you release it? 
What's mm. going on? Mm -hmm. What are you holding on to? What are you dragging? See, I look at it like this, right? I believe that if we look at all of our all of us like um, a sailboat, um, and the wind is like drive, right? And the sail is like desire. Um, we can't get anywhere until we pull up the anchor. And the problem wow. is that, you know, when the wind blows, meaning that drive is serious, like we really want this. We're not going to go very far. Why? Because we've got our anchor down. We've got to lift that anchor or cut the line and release that. Yeah. Otherwise, it's going to hold us in place or tear our ship apart. Right. And so we don't want that. And usually when I say it tears our ship apart, think about a relationship. You know, you want something. The other person wants something different. The relationship often gets torn apart. Why? Because you're not moving together. You're not sailing together. You got to lift that anchor. You got to find the one thing that's holding you down, holding you back. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And, yeah. and, and it's, so it's interesting to hear you talk about how when you were a kid, it was give it to me, but now it's let's figure out how to release it. Um, especially with all the talk and the conversation right now that people have about self care and, you know, who's caring for the people who are caring for the people, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and so that was, that's why I was wondering, I'm like, man, what, what do you do with that? So it is, it's interesting. So somebody, somebody comes to you yep. and, and you, you spend some time, you work with them. And, um, you know, when you start hearing whatever it is people are going through and you have said, okay, I'm going to get you over this obstacle, or over these obstacles in your life, sure. uh, whatever it is. Um, how do you, make sure that you are in a place so that you can really help them get through. Cause we all have our own stuff that we manage. So how, how do you get yourself in that place so that you can get them over whatever the obstacle is for them? Uh, honestly, I think there's a, a couple of ways to answer this. First and foremost, I'm just generally a pretty happy guy. Um, I don't let a whole lot bother me. Yeah. I don't carry a whole lot of weight. I let most things go because to carry that weight, doesn't serve me and any kind of attachment, not any kind of attachment, but most attachments are just going to cause us to suffer. <clears throat> so when somebody comes to me, how do I help them get over that problem um, without carrying the weight? I have a four step process. The first two steps are awareness, right? Because all mm -hmm. transformation begins with awareness. Yeah. If you're not actually aware of what's bothering you or what, what's holding you back, and what you want simultaneously in contrast to what's holding you back, then we're not going to be able to get anywhere. Uh, mm -hmm. However, what we can do is move on to step two and identify, well, we're still in step one, really, which is, okay, well, what don't you want to carry? What's burdening you? What don't you like? What's holding you back? And these are little tiny anchors that we can lift so or we can let go of. Step two for me is let go, right? So what we want to do is identify the things that are holding us back and begin to let those go. Sometimes those chains, if you think about the anchor, right? Yeah. The anchor is attached to the boat, which is you, your being, your person, right? But what attaches the anchor to the boat? A chain, a rope, mm -hmm. a line, a cord, right? And so if you think about your past as the anchor, that past is not going to change. No matter what's mm -hmm. going on in the past, it's never going to change. It is what it is. It was what it was. And it's going to continue to be yeah. that forever and ever. What it means to you might be a different thing. However, the problem isn't the anchor. The problem is not the past. It's the attachment that we have to it. 
So huh. if we recognize that attachment, the chain, the rope that's binding us or tying us up, that chain can be can be lodged into our brain. How we think about ourselves, it can be lodged into our heart. How we feel about ourselves it can be lodged in our guts, right? Where we just uh, we just don't feel like you know I don't I don't feel like I'm worthy. I'm not strong enough. I'm worried. I'm scared. In the case of um, sexual trauma, it can be lodged into um, people's sexual organs, right? Not lodged in, but like connected to. Okay. And so as soon as we go, Oh, I'm aware that I feel the suffering here. Okay. Well, what's it attached to? Mm, It's attached to when my dad said, or when I broke up with, or when I lost A, B or C. Okay. Now we have something that we can work with. The other thing is most people come to you with a problem. And when they come to you with a problem, it's almost inevitably the presenting problem. And so I have to listen and ask questions. So we get past the presenting problem and get to the actual core problem, the real root, because so often the presenting problem isn't the truth. What I found, this is, I'm a pretty spiritual guy, so I hope it's okay if every once in a while I drop into spirituality, but for me, um, do it, man, go for it. Okay, cool. So for me, I believe that I don't need to know anything when God knows everything. I just have to Mm. be able to listen. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times people, a lot of times people, clients will say to me, Hey, uh, how did you know that about me? And I say, I didn't, I just heard it because you're in too much chaos to be able to hear it right now. So I'm just a (laughs) conduit. I'm just listening. I'm just hearing it. And so, um, what I do often is I recognize, and this is maybe only in the past couple of years that I've been able to decide, I decipher this is I find when I don't have an answer, I used to want to turn my brain on and like start solving for the presenting problem. Mm. But now I'm like, okay, there's no answer. So I ask more questions. And what happens is they start to go deeper, deeper, deeper. Then all of a sudden when a a piece of wisdom rises, then I go, okay, this is the piece that we're going to address. And inevitably when we address that, it's like untying the anchor from our heart, our mind, our guts, our sex organs, right? Mm. It's like untying it. And then we just set the chain down, right? Or we just, we just, uh, untie the rope and we set the rope down. We don't need to carry with the chain and the rope stay back there. The attachment stays back there. Then we can start to sail freely into the future. God, I always say, I say this, I always say that uh, the doors to our future, the doors to your remarkable future are in your past. What do I mean by that? If I, there's an anchor stuck in the ground, deep, deep in the ground, stuck in the ground, and there's a chain stuck to my heart and I say, I want that. And I go running after it. <laughs> At some point that chain is going to go taut. And when it goes taut, ah, Right, I'm going to pull off my feet and, and pull back into the past. Why? Because that chain goes tight, and it and when I get pulled off my feet, I get pulled back into the past a little bit enough that it creates slack in the in the chain, and I go, oh, okay, now I can see it, I can feel it, I can manipulate it, I can move it around, yeah. I can play with it, I feel it, I know what it is. Let me figure out how I can get this untangled from my heart, untangled from my mind, untangled from my body, untangled from my guts. Right. Once I can get it untangled, then I'm free. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to For Our Edification. I'm Eddie Francis, and I'm talking to my man, uh, PJ, PJ Dixon, man. And um, you know what? Awareness. It is amazing how powerful awareness is. Um, And I can speak for myself on this one because, you know, I had this really interesting conversation. I had some family over not too long ago, and um, we were talking about certain characteristics that run in the family. And I was telling them, I said, you know, the last situation that I was in, the last place where I was employed, um, it didn't end on a high note. You know, there there was something that happened 
with me sure. that it just did not end on a high note. And I said, I had to think, and I, and I said, I kept playing that moment back and back, back and back over, you know, over and over. And I said, it occurred to me that in our family, we have a thing and, and there's this thing that we do. And when I became aware of it, when I really thought about, because I was beating myself up about it. Yeah. And when I realized, wait a minute, this this is something that's actually a thing with my family. Like there is a there's some consistency there. There's a trend with us. And when I realized that, when I was more aware of that, then I was able to deal with it. And it was amazing how quickly I was able to deal with it once I was aware of what it was. And I do have to say though. I got to shout out because I, I'm in therapy and I, and I got to shout my therapist out. Of course, I can't say this person's name, but I got to shout my therapist out um, because what they did is um, they, they really, really got me to to really, really think and to process and, and all of that good stuff. And they got me to really stop beating myself up because they said that was my biggest problem. They were like, you need to stop beating yourself up about every little thing. But but it's interesting to hear you bring up how how connected awareness is to getting over an obstacle. And and, and it sounds like a small thing, but it's a huge thing. It is a it's really, massive. really big thing. All transformation begins with awareness. If I don't yeah. know that if I'm walking down a path, you and I are hiking and a boulder rolls down the path and lands in the middle of the path. And, you know, maybe we're blind. Right. Um, yeah. And but the, the path has been something that we've traversed repeatedly over and over. We've been trained on it. We know the steps. We know where it turns, everything is great, but we come across the boulder, right? We don't necessarily know what it is. We don't even have to be blind, right? We mm -hmm, come across mm -hmm. this big boulder and we're like, well, there's, there's a big problem, like, right? We're aware that there's a problem, but what we're not aware of in that moment is what our options are, because all we're doing is focusing on the problem. I said this, I wrote this the other day. Actually. We're focusing on a problem and not the options. Yeah, yeah, that, exactly. That's, yeah. That's, a, that's a huge statement, man. Yeah. Yeah. So I wrote wow. this just yesterday or the day before. I wrote, um, is there fairness in your awareness? Wow. Okay. If your confidence is low, the answer is no. Is there fairness in your awareness? Meaning, is there judgment? Right? Oh, okay. And so usually, if you're, a, you know that you, that you're struggling right with, with something but you may not necessarily know what, what, what you're struggling with and so what happens is we tend to beat ourselves up which is what you just said i was beating myself up or mm -hmm. your therapist was like hey let's get you to a place where you're not beating yourself up there's mm -hmm. not fairness in that awareness the awareness that you have of i'm you know i'm not smart enough i'm not good enough i'm uh you know i make all these mistakes whatever it is that people say to themselves it's usually unfair you would almost never say that to somebody else yeah, right yeah. and why because you have too much natural compassion not to do that to somebody else but you beat yourself up so is there fairness in your awareness meaning what are you aware of and well i'm aware of the problem okay so what do you focus on i'm only focused on the, the problem so that means that the only thing in my consciousness my the only thing in my awareness is problem is that fair because there's so many other opportunities right well what if you step back from the problem and you go okay well what am i now aware of and you go i'm aware of option A, B, C, D, and E, and problem, but I'm looking at the problem mm -hmm. sort of peripherally because I'm looking at the options. Okay, is there fairness in this awareness? Yeah, why? Because how do you know? 
Well, if your confidence is low, the answer is no. Well, I'm actually feeling better. Okay, better, meaning what? Meaning I see opportunities that I have. Okay, cool. So how's your confidence? You know, I'm I'm still a little sad about what happened maybe, but I'm feeling much better. I'm feeling much more confident that I'm going to figure out a way to through this. Okay, great. So, so to me, that awareness is critical in everything that we do because, in fact, I had to add it in to the work that I do. You know, I, was, I used to talk about the three keys, letting go, committing fully, and getting excited about your next big challenge. But I realized that I had to add awareness in because nobody had it. They didn't know yeah. what they were upset about, yeah. right? And what they were upset about was almost inevitably the presenting problem. When couples struggle, they're not fighting with each other. They're fighting with each other's past. And they don't know that. They're <laughs> fighting with each other's baggage. It's baggage against baggage, past against past. Mm-hmm. Instead of going, hold on, what's really bothering me? Um, and then that level of awareness. You know, and, and one other piece to this is that when we are in that state where we may be beating ourselves up um, or we're rem- ru- uh, ruminating, right? And our brains are just ruminating, ruminating, ruminating. The problem is that we're allowing our unconscious mind to process instead of allowing our conscious mind to process. The unconscious mind isn't designed to resolve the issue. It's just designed to remember, recall, and reveal the problem. It's, and it does that so that the conscious mind goes, oh, that's the problem. Well, let me process through this and figure out what I want to do so then it can resolve the, the problem. These are the four R's, right? Remember, recall, and reveal or shift over to conscious processing and figure out what figuring out what's really bothering you so you can R resolve that. And that's what journaling does. I, I don't mm-hmm. physically journal very well because I go to sleep when I do it. So I wind up going to the mirror and talking to the mirror. That works really well for me. That's what I've done hmm. my whole life. I've talked to the mirror. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so one, one of the things I'm curious about is what's it like for you Whenever you have um, someone who has, you know, they they have gotten to that point where they, first of all, how do you know somebody is, let me ask you this. How do you know somebody is ready to actually Mm. go beyond the obstacle? Yeah, man, that's such a great question. I'm wrestling with somebody right now who I desperately want to help. And I feel like, and I do this so often where I want their healing more than they do. I want them to have a better mm. life than they do. And I get I get trapped by that on occasion um, or sucked in, not really trapped, but it's sort of a magnetic draw to me because I'm so excited about what their life could be like versus what their life is like. And they're often so anchored to what their life is like that they're not really seeing what their life could be like. Mm. <clears throat> so what I find works pretty well is to just give them a small task and then check in with them and see how it went. Oh, I didn't do it. Okay. They're probably not really ready. Okay. Oh, I did it, but I only did it once. Okay. Well, how come? Let's maybe talk about that a little bit, right? Or absolutely I did it. And that was amazing. This is how I feel. Thank you so much. This is what's coming up now. Great. They're definitely right. You know, so people self-select. Anybody who comes to you, in fact, let me tell you this story. I've, one of my closest friends, um, he and I were on a call a couple weeks ago, and he is one of the smartest human beings I know, hands down one of the smartest guys I know. And he is, um, 
He's in Europe right now doing two master's programs, did a bachelor's, and he's working on two master's, and he is a glutton for punishment because their their education program over there is so much harder than ours over here. Ooh, mm-hmm. I feel so bad for the guy. And simultaneously, when we jump on the call, <clears throat> being one of the smartest people that I know, I'm always shocked when we get to this point where he goes, okay, can you help me? And I say, sure. And he starts to talk, and then I offer some suggestions. And the first thing out of his mouth with all of my suggestions is, the problem is, the problem is, the problem with that is, the problem is, mm. and finally, I reached a point, and this was just a few weeks ago, I reached a point and I said, hold on, buddy, hold on. I, You know I'm one of your best friends, right? And he goes, yeah. And I said, what I'm going to say is probably going to sting just a little. And I don't mean it to, but it's going to. And please forgive me ahead of time. I'm still one of your besties. You know, I want to make sure that we're still close. Okay. But the problem is every sentence that you say starts with the problem is. <laughs> and, and his his yeah, his brow furrowed. And I said, the problem is that you believe that the problem is, right? The problem is, and I kept doing this. I did this for like three or four minutes. And he kept trying to interrupt me. And I said, no, 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 no. Wait, I'm not done. The problem is that you think that there's no yeah. answer. The problem is you don't really want a solution. The problem is you want to keep looking at the problem. The problem is you don't really want help. You actually just want to complain. The problem is, and I did this for like three solid minutes. And then I said, do you remember when you were over at my house six, seven, eight years ago? And you stood four feet from me right there. And you said, uh, and you kept yeah, butting me. And I said, you know what, buddy? I love you, but I can't be friends with somebody who is a yeah, butter. And you were like, what do you mean? And I said, every single time I try to say, say something, you say, yeah, but every time I encourage you, you say, yeah, but. And to his to this guy's, um, uh, I'm not, I'm not sure how to say it, to his credit, right? Mm-hmm. To this guy's credit, when I told him about yeah, budding, he didn't yeah, but for another probably three years. Yeah. And then yeah, yeah, when, yeah. I, when I did this with him about the, the problem is, the problem is, the problem is, literally he reached out to me like three or four days later and uh, probably like four days later and he'd accomplished tons and not once did the word, the pro- the words, the problem is come out of his mouth. Oh man, it's it's almost like the uh, it's like the it's like the Captain Jack Sparrow uh, quote: "The problem isn't a problem; it's your attitude about the problem." (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, there's there's a great story. Um, for me, I I don't know if you guys, uh, if any of your listeners know Jocko Willink, right? Jocko Willink is a former Navy SEAL turned um, business strategist. Okay, well, Jocko tells the story of climbing on top of um, some kind of ocean vessel. Um, with his team, a SEAL team, and they look around. And as I remember the story, maybe I'm telling it wrong, but it's still, the principle is still here. Jocko got up there and he said, they looked around and the top of the ship was not at all what they'd studied. Somehow it was maybe a different ship. It wasn't the wrong ship, Mm -hmm. right? It was still the right ship, but somehow the layout on the top was was different than what they expected. So they got up there and they stopped and they're like, okay, what do we do now, right? And and Jocko stepped back. Now, I don't know if Jocko physically stepped back and literally mm-hmm. stepped back or if he figuratively stepped back and, and took in all the information. But either way, and I teach my clients to physically step back. I physically step back sometimes, right? I say, okay, leave my problem here, my suffering, my struggle here. Physically step back. Okay, now that I'm not in the problem, okay, now I can see the options. So Jocko steps back and he looks around and he goes, okay. And then he stepped forward, stepped back into his body or stepped back into his position. And he said, okay, we go this way. Now, he wasn't even the commanding officer, but SEALs, when one makes a decision, they all follow it, 
-hmm. right? Because they don't have time to discuss it. They trust their team. Somebody mm -hmm. made a decision which is intended to keep everybody alive and save, you know, whoever it is they're trying to save. And so the, the principle of this story is that he didn't stay here looking at the problem. If you and I are hiking and the boulder falls and we just st stare at the boulder, we're looking mm -hmm. at the problem. But the moment we start to step back, all of a sudden we go, oh, there's look at all this space around the boulder. Yeah. Oh, okay. So what are our options? Just walk around it. Okay. Might be more fun to climb over it. That sounds fun. There's a cool little crack down there. You think I can fit? I don't know. You want to try? I'll pull you out if you don't. All right, let's do it. Right? So now we have options and that's the delicious part. But we're right here in the muck and the mire and the gross stuff, right? The problem, we're blinded by it. I call it opportunity blindness. We can't see the opportunities because we're looking so closely at the problem. Yeah. That doesn't feel good, right? That's not fun. That's that's not overcoming the obstacle. That's feeding all of your attention into the obstacle. Yeah. Yuck. Yeah. 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 I'm sorry. I, you know, you mentioned a boulder. I can't stop but think of Shrek, you know, when Donkey said, that's, that's, I like that boulder. That's a nice boulder. But anyway. <laughs> Man, you oh, know, God, I love that show. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's really um, obviously, I mean, obviously, obstacles are not easy to get over. Um, yeah. But. Well, they, they can be, but they don't have to be. They, I was about to they say, don't but, but. Always, but they don't have to be. But they can, you can at least make it a manageable obstacle, at least somehow, you know, you can, yeah. you can find some way to, to try to do it. Um, yeah. The other thing that you mentioned that I thought was really interesting is you mentioned chaos, you know, that people are kind of, they, they, they have this way, we all have our, have this way of putting ourselves through some kind of chaos. And, yeah. you know, yeah. you go from this point of, I mean, it's interesting that you have this thing whenever you see a huge obstacle. Well, let me speak for myself. Whenever I see something that I perceive to be a huge obstacle. And it's funny yeah. with your buddy, because I used to be the yeah, but person. I uh, used to be that person. And uh, I also it's funny. He, he's a lot like I used to be. I was also the problem is person mm -hmm. every single time. I, I, that was me all the way. It was is interesting to hear you talk about that, but to also realize that the yeah buts and the problem is that helps create the chaos because it you does. know or it helps keep or or it helps keep the chaos going, you know. And I'm yeah, and it and keeps I, and, them stuck, right? It keeps their right. Feet in mind. And, and you're sitting here like I don't understand why I'm feeling so chaotic right now. I understand why I'm feeling so chaotic. And somebody <laughs> comes to you, they hold their hand out, and they say, "You know what, Eddie? Let me pull you out the mud." Yeah, but if I get out the mud, the, you know, the yes. problem is I don't know where your hands have been. It's like, yeah, but Eddie, you, you're already in the mud, eh? So, is it? I call it the I call it the Eeyore problem, right? Mm. Eeyore, I got you a box of tails. Well, well, I probably just lose those too. <laughs> oh my God, there's like a hundred, bro. You're not gonna lose one every minute for the next hundred minutes, right? Yeah, man. Yeah. I, so, so let me, so, okay. So, so, so let me ask you a question. You yeah, used to be that guy. Yeah. How did you change that? Because if we're talking about overcoming obstacles, you're brilliant. So we should be asking you, how did you <laughs> shift that? What did you come to a level of awareness first? Did you let something go? Did you commit to something? I mean, these are my first three steps anyway. Yeah, right? I mean, did you get some, excited about I, something? You know what? I was aware that I had a major problem that I wanted to solve. 
I, you know, okay. and I didn't, I didn't get there easily. I mean, thank goodness I have an excellent wife who was just like, okay, yeah. listen, yeah, here, here's what's going on. Here's what I hear. And you know, yeah. that's it. And, and, you know, she didn't say go get some help or anything like that, but she just kept, you know, she just kept letting me know, Hey, I'm yeah. hearing this. I'm hearing this. And yeah. of course I want to be the best absolute husband I can be. I want to be the best father I can be. I want to yeah. be the best yeah. coworker I can be. So yeah. I, I was like, okay, cool. Something is going on and I got to do something. And when I went to, when I went to go deal with it, um, you know, I, I knew what I wanted. I knew what I wanted to do. I knew what problem I wanted to solve. Okay. I will say this though. I, I will say that I wasn't, when I walked into therapy, I wasn't necessarily aware of everything, you know? Mm -hmm. So I was just aware that I needed to do something. And then mm -hmm. I realized along the way, oh, there, there's, there's an iceberg here. I mean, there, there's mm -hmm. a whole lot of stuff going on and it is a very, very deep iceberg that I got to deal mm -hmm. with. And, and I think well, that was my Did you thing. go because you were, were you, were you sad were you depressed were you angry were you confused were you unable I was to solve problems several things several stressed? things unable to solve problems angry frustrated confused very disgusted by a lot of things happening but i wasn't aware how much of i wasn't aware of how much i was putting on myself that's the oh, thing God. that was the that was actually the biggest piece of awareness because it, it, it was you, to me you, hold on let, mm -hmm. let me, i'm gonna interrupt you because i'm gonna interrupt you because this is a really important piece i think for your audience you were unaware of how much you were putting on yourself don't yeah. wax over that what does that mean i was unaware of how much i was blaming myself for so i kept mm -hmm. so i kept putting these burdens on myself mm -hmm. and it was interesting because as i'm talking to my therapist i'm saying well, I'm just holding myself accountable. And she said, great, that's noble. <laughs> you know, it was like, that's a noble thing. But you're also punishing yourself. Mm. And, and that was the part I wasn't aware of. I wasn't aware of how much I was punishing myself. Mm. Um, and so there were all these issues of guilt and shame and all these other issues that we talk, that we've been talking through. Um, and I actually, you know what's funny? I actually felt guilty about dropping the guilt because <laughs> I was just like, yeah, yeah, no, listen, we're, we should definitely talk about that. That's, yeah, that's yeah. a real thing. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. And and so, but yeah, but I mean, that is really how I. That's how I started to. That's how I started to build towards getting past the obstacle. Yes. You know, yeah, I was like, okay, now, now I can clearly see what this. That's the other thing. I couldn't clearly see what the obstacle was either. You know, because, because it was kind of like too close to it. Yeah. I, well, either I, I felt I actually felt like I was driving through a fog and I and the, and the obstacle kept pulling away from me as I was driving through the fog. Oh, that's interesting. OK. Yeah. And I was just okay. like, I, I'm driving, I'm driving. And I know I'm going <laughs> to I know I'm going to see something that yeah. is that is an obstacle. And once I see it, I can deal with it. But it okay. felt like it kept pulling away from me. That was the okay. thing that that's how it felt to me. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's PJ interesting. That's P really interesting. PJ yeah, is so analyzing me on my podcast. This is wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help myself. I love this stuff. Right? I love this stuff. <laughs> um, so let, just for clarification, 
you're driving through the fog, meaning confusion, right? Yeah. Um, and when you're in confusion in the fog, you don't really see uh, opportunities. You just maybe sort of see right in front of you. And it's not clear what's right in front of you or what's coming. But you take that breath and you keep moving anyway, because that's what you do, right? Driving mm -hmm. through the fog. Yeah. Um, and the obstacle, the one thing that you were trying to resolve and figure out and like get a hold of it and go, aha, you are the problem. You're trying to reach for it and it just gets further and further and further away. Yeah. Yeah. So when I journal, when I, when I coach my clients to journal, uh, I usually do this uh, in the mirror again, right? So when I talk to the mirror, I call it uh, namaste talks because namaste mm -hmm. is the divine in me recognizes the divine in you. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's like I'm making an effort to talk to something deeper than just me, you know, mm -hmm. what I might refer to as God. Um, but also talking to my unconscious mind. And so what will happen is I will, and I encourage people in the journal to say, why are we upset? We meaning me, the conscious mind and me, my unconscious mind. So why are we collectively upset? Mm -hmm. Because I want to make sure that I'm on the same page with the unconscious mind. So what happens is the more you write the things that are bothering you and irritating you and frustrating you, eventually what happens is you, you throw up what I call the hook. You, mm -hmm. you throw up what you swallowed, the hook that's mm -hmm. got, that got mm -hmm. you. Somebody said something, somebody did something, you came to believe something, you created, you experienced some kind of programming in your life, you bought into it, your brain started to believe that that was the truth, you swallowed that hook. When you yeah. swallowed that hook, it's stuck inside of you. When you throw it up, all of a sudden, you'll know when you've thrown it up because you're like, oh, that's what's bothering me. Yeah. So when you're driving through yeah. the fog and that, 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 problem that obstacle that you're going after that was the hook that you'd swallowed and your unconscious mind wasn't ready for you to reveal it because if it revealed it and you resolved the issue you have all this guilt that you're carrying and you don't know what you're going to do once you resolve it like oh wait if i solve that problem i've defined myself as this person back here if you solve that problem i don't know who i am when i step out of the fog hmm. that's scary for people yeah. Right. And that's yeah, one of the reasons that feeling guilty for um, for trying to remove the guilt or letting go of the guilt that happens because, again, that's the unconscious mind saying, hey, I'm going to reach out of the fog. I'm going to grab you and pull you back into the fog like a horror movie and mm -hmm. pull you back in. Because if you go out there, I don't know how to keep you under uh, under containment or keep you safe. So I'm going to hold you back here. So. When we step out and away from the things that are scary for us and we say, look, yes, I can do this. Yes, I can do this. I don't know how, but yes, I can do that. And I'm going to figure out how we step out of that fog. And then all of a sudden we step into what it is that we want to do. The part of our brain is going to try to pull us back and say, we can't, you're, you're never going to make it. Uh, mm -hmm. All these people are going to judge you. All these things are going to happen. But as long as you say, no, I can do that and I'm going to do that and I move forward and you, you keep driving in that direction, your brain comes with you. Your unconscious mind will shift and go, okay, I guess this is our new way. But the problem is we step out of the fog and our brain, our unconscious pulls us back in and we go, no, I really want that, but I'm just going to like uh, succumb to what it is that you're saying. So one of the things that I do in the morning, Eddie, is when I wake up in the morning and I'm not... I'm not a good morning person, meaning I don't really want to wake up, um, but I also don't want to stay in bed all day. Like if I right. if I sleep past eight o'clock, if I sleep to eight o'clock, 
in the morning, I feel like I've wasted my day, mm -hmm. right? So uh, let's say I roll out of bed at seven. I roll out of bed like this, right? Kind of from being, oh, I'm still sleepy. I don't want to get up, right? But I'm not mean by any means. I'm not angry. I'm just like, oh, my body wants to sleep. The moment I become aware of that, I go, okay, I am in reaction. My part of my brain wants to still stay, stay part of my brain wants to stay asleep. And so I'm in this like, no, I want to stay asleep mode. And I, the conscious me is, uh, is giving in to what that part of my brain wants. So the moment I'm aware and I go, okay, hold on. I lift my eyebrows. I force myself to smile. I open my eyes brighter and I force myself to feel good. I feel force myself to feel happy. I force myself to feel joyful. I feel force myself to feel grateful. I force myself to sit up straight and feel empowered and confident and ready for the day and uh, confident and empowered, like driven, right? Mm -hmm. Because when I do this, I go, I do this intentionally because it's a muscle. The more I work it out, the stronger I get. Yeah. And so the more I yeah. do it, when I wake up and I go, frumpy, I don't And I'm like, nope, open those eyes, lift those eyebrows, open the eyes, smile. Get aligned, get focused. Nope, I want to be like this. I want to be empowered. I want to be focused. I want to be ready. I want to be happy. I want to be glad. Okay? It forces me to say, nope, I choose who I am. Yeah. Not back yeah. here, not the unconscious mind. I choose how I want to experience my life. I choose how I'm going to show up. This is yeah. really important because it's that mindset that you talked about. If we mm -hmm. can't consciously choose who we are in that moment, we are a slave. Reaction is a slave action. There are only two kinds of people in the, in the world. There are free people and there are slaves. And if we are a slave to our unconscious mind, if we are a slave to like, oh, I feel just, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Okay, so shift. I don't care that you woke up on the wrong side of the bed. What I care about is, do you want to be a slave to whatever that part of your brain is doing? Or do you want to say, no, I don't like feeling like that. I want to feel like this. So I'm going to shift, right? Yeah. That's, that's the power of... A, awareness, and B, letting go, and C, committing. And sometimes you have to get excited and say, no, all right, I'm going to get excited about shifting. All right, I'm excited that I get to be empowered. Woo -woo, right? <laughs> this is just the process. And most people won't do it. So when we circle back to how do you know you have a good client, you say, okay, you want to be better? And they say, yeah, I just don't know how to do it. Cool. Do this and then get back to me. Okay, cool. I did this. And this is what happened, man. It was amazing. Wow. I didn't realize I had that personal power. Yeah, you do. Ready for mm -hmm. stage two? I definitely am ready for stage two. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. I, I want to I want to shift gears real quick, man. Um so so one of the things, and you know, again, I I shouted out my, my wonderful wife, Lima, and <laughs> and um and I gotta shout out Stevie, my son too, because you know, he helps out too. And it is one of the most helpful things. And I think this was part of, I think this was part of the obstacle for me. And I think it happens for so many other people is when somebody says, well, you know, it really helps if somebody's there to help hold you accountable. And I think some people, when they hear the word accountable, it's like, oh man, okay. Okay. Somebody's going to be on my back all the time. But I also think that I, I once heard somebody talk about accountability. I heard a leader talk about accountability yeah. and I couldn't help but think when they talked about it, it actually came across as, as toxic 
because they were talking oh. to a group of people and and they said you said you wanted accountability well here it yeah. is and i'm going man it, mm. i was like now you're weaponizing it yeah there's a speaker yeah. i heard alan stein uh-huh. and he he said something that really helped me put accountability into his proper context he okay. said accountability is something that you do for someone yes. and when he said that it helped me relax myself about asking people to hold me accountable you know and it really helped me relax myself as far as letting people and this was a hard thing for me letting people help me with the obstacles yeah <laughs> because sure. i didn't want help at one point <laughs> you know i was like oh, i got it i got it i got it i'll do this i'm a man right <laughs> so uh <laughs> struggle like a bull but uh <laughs> so <laughs> But it was really interesting to hear somebody talk about accountability in such a positive way. Um, and and I do wonder for you, um, when you are working with people, do you encounter this thing when people kind of tense up when they hear the word accountability? Or if you mention, yeah. hey, it helps if we, I don't know if you've ever told somebody, hey, you know, maybe you want an accountability partner or something like that. But have you ever seen that from somebody as they have worked on their obstacles or you've worked with them on their obstacles? Yeah, pretty much every time, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. When somebody says, when somebody tenses up like that, you know they're not actually ready. Yeah. But when somebody says, hey, man, I'm, I know I'm struggling here and here and here. Can you be accountable? Uh, or can you help me be accountable? Then I know that they want the help because mm-hmm. what they're saying is I know that, uh, that I've got some weaknesses and I'm, I want to push past those. Yeah. Can you hold me accountable? Can you help me? Can you be in service to me to inspire me, to pick me up, to, you know, help me remember the reasons that I'm doing this mm. um, to get me in motion again? Because what they're saying is I really want that thing out there but there's an awful lot of anchors that I'm dragging from my past and a big boulder in front of me that I'm trying to push against and a weight pushing down on top of me. And there's something holding my ankles down in the muck and the mud or pulling me underwater. And yet I still want that out there. Yeah. And so I need, and I know I'm going to be tired uh, because I'm in so much resistance, but that's what I really want. So when I'm struggling, when I'm going under, can I reach out to you and you pick me back up and hold me accountable and remind me why I'm doing this? Absolutely. Because mm-hmm. sometimes they get lost in the problems and they get distracted. Our biggest uh, our biggest enemies really are distraction and uh, self-doubt. Hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, and blame falls under distraction because we've taken the attention and the awareness off of ourselves. We've taken the attention and the awareness off of what we want, <clears throat> right? Resilience is born from commitment. So the moment we get committed, we instantly become more resilient. And people that are really committed, they want an accountability partner. And it's funny because um, when you said you're talking to somebody uh, uh, about leadership, and instantly I thought, well, you know, a leader is accountable because they want the best for the people that they're leading. And so they're accountable to those people that they're leading. Right. And so those people, when you say they're accountable to those people, um, it means that they want those people to have something better than what they currently have. Mm -hmm. Or they want those people to survive in a particular way or experience a particular thing. So um, they're in service to the people that they're leading, the people Mm -hmm. that trust them, you know, and it's the people that 
that trust them, the followers, it's their job to hold the leader accountable also and say, hey, I know you want to help us. Can I help you help me in the way that works best? Can I share with you this works best for me when you say it this way? Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, it's the same in relationship between a husband and a wife, right? We want to hold each other accountable, but we also want to be accountable to the way they're holding us accountable, right? So if I'm not saying something correctly to a partner, then, um, uh, you know, she can certainly say something like, hey, um, you know, you asked me to hold you accountable. You said you would do this and you, and you, and you didn't. I can always say, oh, you're right. I did not follow through and I told you I would and you came to me once already. I think what would help me, so now I'm, I'm helping her help me be accountable. I think what would help me is if you did it this way the first time because the first time you did it, when you did it this way, it sort of let me out. I'm being kind of vague um, yeah, yeah, just because yeah. I'm seeing, only because I'm seeing that accountability flows both ways. I was going right? to say, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. It's yeah. giving, but it's also about receiving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that makes sense. That makes perfect sense, man. So, PJ, um, you know what? Consider consider yourself the obstacle, the king of overcoming obstacles. Um, because, no, I mean, because I think, I think the way that you see it, though, I mean, the way that you're able to put that into perspective for people so that they can be more resilient and they can continue to move on. That anchor thing is a part of pun. It's heavy. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, PJ, yeah, if people yeah. want to find out more about you, how can they find out more about you? Yeah, man, I'd love to talk to people. I just simply go to my website. It's easiest. PJsWisdom.com. PJsWisdom.com. That's the easiest place to find me and, um, email me or call or um, check out the social media sites. So that's always just easiest. PJsWisdom.com. Yeah, no apostrophe, PJs. And, and by the way, I mean, you got to check out PJ's Instagram. You got to check out his YouTube. I mean, because there is so much good stuff on there. So PJ. Adding stuff all the time. Thanks, man. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. You are the man. I don't care what anybody else says. Um, I don't care what they say about you on Yelp or any other. I, I haven't seen anything on Yelp. But anyway, <laughs> I don't care what they say about you. My brother, thank you so much, man. Thank you for joining thank me. You, thank you. It was a real honor to be here. A uh, real pleasure. And I love this conversation. Honestly, I wish we could have like expanded this for like another hour because there's so much that we could get into. And actually, right, dig really deep. So maybe we can do this again sometime. Uh, don't worry. You got to stand in invitation. It's my podcast. You got this. <laughs> Thanks, a bunch of thanks to PJ Dixon for joining me on this episode for our edification. If you want to find out more about PJ, you can go to the show notes and you'll see the link to his website and you'll get to see some really, really good stuff on him. His videos are really cool, like I said before. And uh, make sure you check out past episodes of our edification by going to eddiefrancis.com. Uh, you can also go to YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm only asking you to do three things here, okay? Download, give feedback, and share. I'm Eddie Francis for Dr. Halim Malik Francis. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of For Our Edification.